coat and bathtub gin. Can you imagine that? Morning, good afternoon, good evening, and wherever you are, thanks for joining us on this very special episode of Disney Space. I'm your co-host, Jim. I'm your co-host, Mark. That's right. 50-50, right down the middle. But today we have a very special guest. Uh, Mark, why don't you introduce him? Yeah, today we have Hal Bowers with us tonight, and we are very glad to have him on board. He is a founding mem member of the Lake Buena Vista S Historical Society. And this is this is not the Bay Lake Society. Those are the drunk guys. Just kidding. And um, also the co-host, co-host of the Retro WDW podcast with Todd McCartney, Brian Miles, and JT Couser. How you doing, Hal? Aloha, Haley. I'm I'm doing great tonight. All right. You also have the um, Kingdom of Memories blog hosted on the on the website, where you can see a lot of your historical audio stuff of the park. And you also were part of the. I guess headed up the Save Toad campaign back in what was the nineties. No, I was the... not the head. I was I was involved, but I was not the. Mm. There was a gentleman out of Miami that was <laughs> okay. in charge of that who I never met. Yeah, um, I oh, did do okay. some. I did the post. I did a couple of posters for that that became kind of infamous. Yeah. That was my contribution. It was the uh, Toad. Uh, the motorbadia is not a crime, and then the uh, <laughs> tell tell Pooh to go to hell. That those Love were my it. two uh, my two big PDF posters from that uh, time Love period. Love it. If you do, if you do a quick Google search of just "Save Toad" and look at images, you, you can see those come up. <laughs> well, the whole website comes up too. You can see it all. It's it's astounding that site is still there from the 1990s, completely yeah. untouched. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you you also have a, a YouTube channel, Liquid Luau, where you show us how to mix drinks of various vacation sites around the Magic Kingdom, the Vacation Kingdom, and you are the well-known personality on the disc Twitter is going by the handle Go Away Green at Go Away Green. So welcome to our show. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Us. You both have those great uh, uh, Disney reference uh, Twitter handles with the Go Away Green being the uh, the the color that obscures and fades in the background. And Mark is, is six miles tall as referencing uh, Mr. Disney's Epcot presentation and how uh, I love that. Mine and now just references a, a defunct platform. Uh, of uh, a periscope and uh, uh now i'm just sort of uh just a just an enthusiast at large and hey now i'm a podcaster now now i mean scope it out let's go scope it out guys yeah now we'll scope out disney now no, yeah. no, there's enough live streamers out there anyway i think i think i've given enough coverage of the parks <laughs> <laughs> so on today's episode of disney space we have a very coveted location we have this in our sites I think I think many of us have had this in our sites since the mid '90s. Uh, this is the Imagination Pavilion in, well, it's it wasn't uh, Future World, but Mark, where is it now? What is its designation? It's in. It's well, if you look at the map, it's sort of in World Celebration, the the new neighborhoods that they've created, and it looks like there's a little sliver of it in World Nature. It's kind of hard to tell. What do you think, Hal? It? yeah it's kind of like world right up the middle it's 50 yeah. 50 just like you guys yeah i think it's i think it's its own world actually <laughs> and, um, and i remember, I, I remember one of the first times i interacted with mark on the on the twitter and he was talking about uh he wanted to take the space and turn it into a mary poppins themed attraction 
but he wanted the entrance to be where the current entrance to the Imagination Pavilion was, but have the exit be into the UK Pavilion. And I That's was right. like, you fool, that'll never work. Uh, <laughs> There's buildings back there. How's, how, no, how's grandma going to find her party if she didn't go in there? You can't have an exit that far away from an entrance. This is poppy. No, a rump, <laughs> sir. And then we became fast friends after that. So see, yeah. Mark, even I was doing that back then. And you, you taught me to have that proper... <laughs> don't say no imagineering mindset yeah so. actually the way that was i think i had i had different colored seats different colored vehicles and so you would walk actually you'd walk into the um the magic eye theater and that was all designed as cherry street lane this is before d23 when they were announcing mary poppins for the uk pavilion yeah, it's like five six years ago yeah, yeah. So, so you'd walk into the magic eye theater and in the air conditioning you'd walk around cherry street lane and and then get on the ride vehicles and there would be red ones um, that already have people in them, and there would be blue ones, and you'd get, and there'd be yellow ones. You'd get in the blue ones, and it was like a one-way trip. If you wanted to come round trip, you get in the yellow ones. So if you take the one-way trip, it would go through the whole scenery, and you'd see everything from Mary Poppins Returns and the whole "Can you imagine that" theme song. So it was actually called "Can you imagine that" the pavilion. But when they drop you off, you you're there at the UK Pavilion, and if you want to get back on, you can come back through. And it takes you through a different pathway through the original Mary Poppins attraction, and you're back at the so a sort of partially attraction, partially transportation. Little bit that is idea. fascinating. And, yeah, and so from that, I was like, wait a minute, you know, we can actually do this with all kind of stuff. Let's make a podcast called Disney Space. Yeah, and he tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Let's yeah. do this," and I'm like, "Heck yeah!" <laughs> so let's so let's talk a little about the the history of this space. So. Uh, it was not an 82, well, the, the location was there for the Magic Eye Theater and when the park opened in 82, and you could find the uh, Dreamfinder and Figment uh, meet and greet character. Uh, but the ride didn't open for, what, another year later? Or so. I think yeah, it was like May of 83 when it opened. Yeah, yeah okay. I was there. My first time to Epcot Center was um, in, in late May of 83. And so it, it had just opened when I got there. And I remember this very vividly. I went into Epcot Center, and I, you know, I wasn't sure about what it, what it was back then. Nobody did. <laughs> I, you, you're just enamored by Spaceship Earth. Like I read Spaceship Earth. I come out in Earth Station, and they have all these the World Key touchscreens, and I'm enamored by the touchscreen. My my very first character I met in Epcot was not Figment. It was Blip, a little cursor. Yeah. Uh, world Key information, and he had a little voice, and he would, you'd pick, you know, go around. But then, you know, then I, I went there with my family and we all kind of split up and went our own ways. Me and my little brother went to the Journey into Imagination Pavilion. And I was just enamored by this place. I, I was in that pavilion for four hours before I realized, oh my gosh, I've been in here for four hours. There's more stuff to do at Epcot. I'm glad I got like a three-day world passport to, to see everything. <laughs> I think that's that important incredible. for... Because, uh, you know, a lot of people will, I don't want to say mock Epcot purist, <laughs> and Lord knows I loved classic Epcot Center, uh, but it really was just filled to the brim, not just with 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 rides and shows, but activities and uh, everything that you could do up there, the uh, the chroma key, the, the, the digital painting, just everything there. I just, it, the, uh, we all joke today about the marble walls at... Uh, uh, rock and roller coaster, you know, don't touch those, but man, those, uh, those, those pin tables that oh, you, you run. Oh, yeah. ugh, <laughs> city. the pin uh, tables, those things were therapy that I did not know I needed. <laughs> <They were wonderful. laughs> 
So it's my understanding that after 10 years or so, every pavilion sponsored was required to pony up some money for uh, a refurbishment of the location. So it may have been short-sightedness on their part to get rid of such a beloved attraction, but I also think that there were some operational concerns. Wasn't also there was issue that the loading turntable uh, often broke or didn't and function correctly. Kodak exited as a sponsor as well. I think and, Howard, you guys are going to you guys are going to do a podcast on this soon, right? Or the whole history. Yes, yes, we will. We are trying yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, we want we want to get everybody together to get the you know the straight dope as much as we can. It was absolutely a combination of uh, that that they had lots of problems with the with the load turntable. Um, they had uh, a did have to like pony up some money for a sponsorship and Kodak was not the incredibly wealthy, you know, uh, crazy money spending organization that it was when the park opened. And so they had a, a modest budget and they fixed some issues and, you know, kind of tried to do the best with the, the money that they had. And uh, I think it was Eisner who actually rode the ride in its uh, first incarnation and was like, this is terrible. We got to kill this, put more money in it, start over again. This is, this is bad. Now Eisner kind of came from a perspective of the rule of cool. Like he was looking for at his, uh, his son, I believe to say, what, how can we make Disney cooler? And that's where we got certain things like star tours and alien encounter uh, trying to uh, appeal there. But we got this, We'll talk about, there's essentially three versions. The last two are more similar than the initial version, but the um, the intermediate version, I believe it was called Journey into Your Imagination. Again, I don't want to make this a history podcast. I just like yeah. to set the table. You had Dr. Nigel Channing like you do today, but absolutely no figment except for, I believe, one cameo in the attraction. And Dr. Nigel Channing, I uh, I don't know how true this is, uh, I'm always a little leery of Wikipedia entries and stories, but the the actress that played the mother in uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was on her way to film the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience uh, show and was in the same hotel, allegedly, as Eric Idle and said, oh, you got to come with me. We'll find a part for you. And he ended up playing Dr. Nigel Channing in that and then being tapped for the, uh, the, the subsequent attraction videos. And boy theme park fans are interesting and uh you know I, I how how i often say i'm in a lot of different fandoms i'm deep into the star trek fandoms i'm deep into model railroading fandom i can i can get as geeky and nerdy as you want to be but nothing beats the disney fans when it comes to pestering people for mundane <laughs> details for a job they did for three days 25 years ago and uh and uh Man, poor Eric Idle went viral. Was it last year or the year before? And we're a clean podcast. Uh, but he referred to Figment as the animated little. Uh, so it kind of shattered some people's dreams and views of of maybe Dr. Nigel Channing. And I kind of feel like maybe, yeah, that's where we're at is we've got this attraction with a version of Figment. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, Figment was originally voiced by Billy Barty. And in the remake, he's voiced by Dave Goals, who's best known as Gonzo from The Muppets. Yeah. A little bit of a personality change. Uh, and again, how many, at this point, how many theme park attractions are 
welcome to a tour of this place. Oh no, it's going wrong. You know, <laughs> uh, but they it, certainly sure... wouldn't reuse that again for Guardians of the Galaxy, would they? Because oh, that would no, be not that, <laughs> to not do that for, again. Not for dinosaur, not for even the Jurassic Park attractions. <laughs> <Special> space. <laughs> uh, so we're now we're now left with this current attraction that is. I, I, this and I, I I put out a tweet once to how and I it got a little traction. I said, let's just make a five dollar lightning lane where you can donate to the company, and once they get enough money, they'll retheme it and make a new, better attraction with Figment <laughs> and the Dreamfinder. Just just crowdsource it. Just take our money and do it. Well, we don't care anymore. Uh, but I but I often wonder. You always exit through the gift shop, and Figment merch sells. I go to food and wine. I go to the art festival every year. I'm fine. I'm buying at least three figment shirts with a festival on it for my wife and maybe a new uh, planter or pitcher or something with him on it. You would think you could just take 5% of those merch sales, just put it in a lockbox and give him a, the attraction he deserves. But that's what, I don't know if that's necessarily what we're going to do today is give figment the attraction he deserves, but we're take, we're going to this space uh, we may have to break out the bulldozers, so you may lose that the iconic glass pyramids. I don't know what Hal or Mark are going to do today. Uh, the format of the show this week is going to be a little different because I've been really busy because of life and all, guys. So I'm going to hear both of their ideas, but I'm going to hear the ideas from our special guest and from my co-host, and I'm going to weigh the pros and cons and try to make the decision as if I'm in the tomorrow seat. Um, but I think that's enough preface, and I'm real excited to hear what our special guest, Mr. Hal Bowers, would like to do in this location. Take it away, Hal. Okay, well, uh, here's here's the idea. I'm I'm coming at this from the most idiotic base form to to conceptually figure out how to fit this. No bad ideas in brainstorming, Hal. Yeah, and into the new version of Epcot Center. So I'm just going to start with the dumbest way in and see if I can take a incredibly basic premise and try to turn it into something worthwhile as an intellectual exercise. So okay. I, I, as, as, as you talked about earlier, I looked on the map and I said, where does this building fit into this new concept of Epcot, whatever that is, because I don't even know what what it is but uh so so if we look on the map we can see it's kind of in the world nature section there's uh the seas pavilion and the land pavilion now space is over on the other side so typically you know those things would kind of be lumped together but i'm like where what's the missing component we've got the seas and we've got the land so what's what's a third thing kind of in that you know basic elements uh nature category that we could put there and can I play, uh can I the play only this sure. fire fire <laughs> fire is a great one fire <laughs> remember the old fire mountain cons of fires i went yeah. with sky i went with air so okay. as as the as the companion uh i'm i'm creating a pavilion called magnificent skies uh, and the the first thing that I'm going to do as part of this is uh, is annex Soren because Soren doesn't belong with the land; it belongs with the skies. So, uh, so really, kind of the idea behind the pavilion is it's a celebration of atmosphere, flight, 
uh, gases and other noble pursuits. So anything that kind of falls into that realm is fair game. I, I haven't figured out precisely what any of this looks like. We could potentially keep, you know, some of the uh, the pyramid buildings. Um, it's such a small chunk, those two pyramids, compared to the the overall structure there. Um, and especially the, the yeah, and the space uh, available for the Magic Eye Theater. I, there's a potentially a huge amount of land back there. And, and you could even make a case for being able to go behind Canada uh, over a service road and take out the Millennium uh, celebration building, which is kind of used, kind of not used. So there's there's a load of space to work with back there. So uh, so we annex Thorin, which is a, you know obviously hugely popular. Um, we build a new entrance from the uh, from this new building into the uh, into the theaters there. Uh, close off the the entrance in the land, and you could use that space in the land to do something else. Um, yeah, if you look you know, at the I, map. I, if you look at the Google map above, the, the Soren buildings are actually closer to the Imagination Pavilion than they are the Land Pavilion. You got to make quite it a is. trick <laughs> in those little yeah. hallways to get you, there. You can literally just patch right into the current entrance to the show building with no effort at all. It's it is literally right there. <laughs> They're like corner yeah, to corner. If you're, if you're standing in front of the Q entrance to um, to Soren, and then you go by the, the restroom area, there's a large set of emergency only doors, but I see cast members go through them often. And those exit almost right out into the uh, back of the Imagination Pavilion. So you could completely yeah, it's crazy. That. It's crazy. So I say take that land, you know, maybe put a farm to table restaurant, something high end in the land pavilion, you know, there's the whole theater from Kitchen Cabaret is, you know, that whole space is basically there, could get reused for something, but yes. uh, that's, that's up for a land episode but so we patched that in that's the first thing and then uh I looked at uh, what other kinds of attractions uh could we put in, into a a skies themed pavilion um one thing that uh that's kind of trendy um kind of new that i i see a lot uh are, are you familiar with the uh the vertical indoor wind tunnels for yes yeah, we have one of those in Atlanta here near the um, Atlanta Braves oh. ballpark. There you go. Yeah, so there's yeah. there's a there's a more than a handful of these around now. Uh, if you have not seen one, it it is literally like a glass tube. They're indoor and outdoor versions, but the the ones that uh, that you tend to see now are are basically like large, say, 12, 13 foot diameter glass tubes. There is a giant fan underneath the bottom of it that blows up. Then uh, you put on skydiving style outfits and you can go into this chamber and the, the force of the air runs at the same speed as uh, what the, um, what do they call that right when you're falling down? Terminal velocity. Yeah. And it pushes you, pushes you up into the air. So, um, so I'd like photo, photo pass pictures of your face getting all rippled. <laughs> everywhere <laughs> right yeah i've done this so, before on international drive uh, uh, more than 100 pounds ago uh but it was extremely <laughs> fun and i always i always told everybody oh totally worth the money you have to do that it, it, those are that's such an incredible experience i think there's a free yeah. cruise ships it, that does this too now oh yeah i think yeah. you're right yeah so there's so there's two parts to this so so one is that guest i can pay to go into here 
as an extra and experience it kind of like you can pay to dive in the living seas. But the other half of it, I think, is actually a theater style show, whether it has seats or, you know, kind of around it or whether everyone just stands around and watch. Um, but I have seen some interesting synchronized shows actually done using this technology. Um, there's a little bit of it in the, the Pirates of the Caribbean show that's in Shanghai. Um, so I think it's possible to actually put together like a 10, 15 minute uh, show with people that are experts at this. Uh, that would be very fun to watch, you know, probably with music and, you know, I don't know if you have props and stuff, but um, people could walk in and, and be able to experience, you know, a, a really different kind of, you know, physical show, uh, get the enjoyment out of that, and then potentially pay some extra money and, you know, go do it themselves. Yeah, nice. That's the wind tunnel show. Now I feel the need, the need for IP, because if you're going to have something at Epcot today, it's it's got to have some some intellectual property with it, or it's it's let's face it, it's just not going to go right. So um, I I think, and and here's here's where I'm going to get it from from the Disney fans. I'm looking uh, forward to it. I I think <laughs> I think one of the most underappreciated an overly disliked franchises in the Disney canon is planes. There you go, Captain. Topped off with the finest jet fuel in Prop Wash Junction. Roger that. Take care. Whoa, don't see that every day, huh, Chug? Yep, Dusty. An engine that powerful only takes the top-of-the-line jet fuel. It keeps those afterburners blazing. Ha, awesome. Well, there you go, Dusty. Thanks, Chug. No problem. <gasps> it's the wrong fuel. Dusty! <laughs> I know the first movie wasn't fantastic, um, the second one was actually quite wonderful. It was, it was actually has some of the most beautiful CGI I've ever seen. But oh. uh, we have we have these IP characters of Dusty Crophopper and everyone who are actually associated with the sky. So why not use them? Uh, and the basic idea is to use a ride system very similar to like a Zampirla Air Force. Uh, and make a very family-friendly suspended coaster, uh, like a coaster dark ride hybrid, which is basically the East Coast equivalent of Radiator Springs Racers. Uh, so, there you go. Same, same, same basic concept, but instead of being placed in Radiator Springs, we are in the uh, Plains World equivalent of that, which is Prop Wash Junction. So, um, the attraction is called Skipper's Flight School. It takes guests of all ages above and through the picturesque town of Propwash Junction, where they'll encounter some of their favorite characters and locations for the Plains franchises and the uh, Air Mater short, because uh, there right. was actually one of, the, one of the shorts with Air Mater takes place there, too. So um, after some brief flight training with uh, Skipper Riley in the pre-show, guests board six passengers suspended uh, flight trainers for their inaugural flights. Uh, and then you basically get on this kind of suspended coaster, you know, go through um, some of the outdoor spaces, you know, at outdoors, of course, this is all indoors is a dark ride, but uh, you kind of go through the, the picturesque outdoor spaces. Uh, and so after a successful training run on the outskirts of town, uh, as you uh, on the wings around the globe training course, 
Uh, Dusty Crophopper recruits us to join uh, the Propwash Junction Fire Brigade when a freak lightning strike starts a wildfire that threatens the town. And of course, you have to have the and then something goes suddenly wrong because that's also <laughs> part and yep. parcel of every you know great Disney attraction. So uh, with some fancy flying and a little help from the Piston Peak Fire Squad, guests save the town from going up in smoke. So uh, if if you picture kind of the the layout of Radiator Springs Racers, where it feels like you're outside, and then you're are a little bit more inside in the town, it's like I, I think we can pull situations, yeah, out of that. And I've seen some beautiful um, instances where this kind of ride was done. I think it's in the Warner Brothers Park over in uh, in Abu Dhabi. Is that where that is? Uh, or I can't remember. Nope, um, it is Abu Dhabi, but um, Abu Dhabi. Okay, there's a they they do a a, a Wiley Coyote uh, ride, like a a Roadrunner Wiley Coyote, and they have oh. the uh, the track part suspended off of the rock work, and the way that it's set up, uh, I think if you're on the ride, it's like you don't really notice the suspended iron part above you because you're focused on all the other stuff. So um, I th think there's a real opportunity. Uh, to kind of reuse that technology uh, over here. I'm looking at a video of that now. That looks like a lot of fun. I like it. I like it. You know, <laughs> when I was, this reminds me of a story. When when I was 16, I, I was so enamored by Epcot. It was, it drove me into the field of engineering and everything. And back then, I may have even been 15. I, I sat down in my grandfather's basement and I designed a future world attraction. This would have fit between the living seas and the land and the little space back there, which I think back then it had a sign for the life and health pavilion, but I designed a, a pavilion called oceans of air. And it was very similar to this. <laughs> and it was, oh, look at that. yeah, yeah. Three buildings kind of what well, the first one was a ride and then it had a theater above it. And then there was another building off to the side where th there was a whole ride system. You would actually go into a wind tunnel and like be there with the airplane as the streams of, of gas were flying over the airplane. But it was sort of a history attraction. Um, like you would get in these vehicles, and they would have the vehicles would have a yoke on it, and the the vehicle was sort of the shape like a I guess, put it simply like a, a blood cell, and it allowed the vehicle to to go up and down and side to side and twist around. The track could go from below it to above it, and so you would take this strange contorted journey through the whole thing, and you would start like at the beginning of how air was created with all these vents in this volcanic scene. And then you would end up in the Spanish galleon and go up, you'd start on the inside and go up to see the sails burst. And then and then it would go for, you know, airplanes and all kinds of, it was really neat. And then like the end of it was sort of like this trans center type of building. You remember the, in the world of motion, but it was all, yeah. <clears throat> it was all airplanes, like civilian airplanes and military airplanes and experimental airplanes, similar type of thing. So cool that's, yeah I, but I like mark that. but mark how's idea has something we can sell in the gift shop that's right <laughs> that's right that's right that's yeah. got a hell of a and and epcot is uh unfortunately still short on things that you know kids can do and experience to an extent yeah. so uh, having a family friendly attraction i think is never a bad thing uh in that park that fits the bill i like it yep so uh, if saving the town has worked up your appetite, uh, can I suggest a meal in the Hyperion restaurant? 
which is inspired by the iconic airship from 1974's Island at the Top of the World. Here at last is the epic adventure that only Walt Disney Productions could bring to the screen. The Island at the Top of the World. Uh, like a wedding, you have something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. We're, we're going to steal the Hyperion from, uh, from Disneyland Paris and from the, uh, the never-built uh, attractions in uh, Discovery Cove and uh, bring that to Florida. So uh, the concept is that uh, after the conclusion of his expedition that discovered uh, Astrogard, wealthy industrial Sir Anthony Ross and daring pilot Captain Betro, uh, I don't know how to say his name, Beatrix, maybe? I don't know. I never, it's been so long since I've watched the movie. <laughs> how did that I can't remember. Right? Yeah. Who, by the way, are the two newest members of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers? There you go. <laughs> right. have uh, con have converted the Hyperion airship into the Western Hemisphere's finest restaurant. So there, I have hit the triple, <laughs> triple of trying and see, which I hate how, how hard people bend over backwards these days to put the Society of Explorers and Adventurers and everything. But damn it, I'm going to do it anyway. Hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're bringing in the Hyperion which is one of those things that like is uh it has enamored disney fans for the longest time but has never really been fully realized and uh i'm not sure what the third thing is but as i was working this out i'm like oh man i just went and did it i just i took again i took the most base vile simple thing and like tied it all together in a neat little bow and it actually kind of sounds like it's a good idea so so the, um, the cynic in me thinks there's some beleaguered imagineer <laughs> who would spend six weeks developing the art for all this and then the cigar chomping exec says no make it charles Munz's ship from up the kids know up. right <laughs> right <laughs> also totally fine yeah i like that and gotta have the dog there too with it <laughs> A little yeah, I think they, they can meet the pond. <laughs> That's true because they also have the right because the restaurant aspect is in that movie too. Perfectly fine. It's all you know what? That's all I was good. I was assuming uh, that was the direct inspiration for his airship was was the island but, but uh <laughs> yeah that's funny. Uh so so here's the concept. So while you're seated at an elegant table uh, outfitted with fine cutlery, uh guests take a simulated dinner flight through the stratosphere. Uh, maneuvering, uh, I'm sorry, marveling at both cityscapes and natural wonders uh, and turn-of-the-century Europe. So the idea is that you would go into, I wouldn't want it to be like a, a a single giant room with screens on all sides. I think you could get taken into different dining areas with screens out of the windows so you can kind of limit and control, you know, rooms and who's coming. So, you know, you could go through an entire flight then if, if you put like 40 people in a room it's like you can have it take off from the ground and then return to the ground within the space of a dinner perhaps rather than trying to deal with 200 people all looking at the same thing yeah um and if they didn't yeah. wreck so, all the um, stuff out of her if they didn't wreck all the stuff out of horizons you could carry in that little french scene with a uh, uh, black oh, and white yes. illustrated people coming in and out and getting in the getting right in the thing as you're yeah uh-huh oh that would be beautiful <laughs> yeah. um Guests could also find themselves involved in comedic situations, such as when an errant wind blows the Hyperion off course and into the newly constructed Eiffel Tower, permanently bending it. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> yes. I love it. That's great. 
<laughs> That's funny. That's perfectly Epcot. And then, then of course, we're going to uh, sell the special the special dining plan where you'll have breakfast there, lunch at the Seas, and dinner at Space 220. So you can dine in air, sea, and space. There you go. There you go. I like the... I like the way you think. <laughs> now, I don't, right now, sitting in the sort of the Shark Tank seat, uh, as I, I've just got, I, I put on. Uh, we had a uh, imaginary consultant on. Um, a, Mark, what was the artist's name? Christopher Joel. Joel Christopher. Yeah, Joel, Joel Christopher Payne. Yeah, and he he actually talked a little bit about his insight in the Disney process, and uh, we have we we often refer back to what he talked about as the three chairs. The first chair is the blue sky. Right. The sec the second chair is more refinement, and the third chair is the one I find myself sitting in the most. How are we going to make money on it? You know, because <laughs> that's I know that's how they're the, so. <laughs> I'm really an I'm really an optimist at heart, but I guess a cynic when it comes to these uh these uh, uh maybe it's just realism being a Disney local. <laughs> so we have no that yeah. that's that's the thing, and it's got to be sustainable. So if yeah. it's if it's not making money or doing something, to, then you're right. In the long term, it's it's not going to make it. Yeah, I think in you know I've, I've, Genie, Genie Plus. I think that may change some of that game. If, if, if there's enough yeah. attraction to it and they can kind of put those into accounts per attraction, you could you could actually continuously upgrade things over the years based on that Genie Plus interest. Kind of like the old ticket books, right? When yeah. when attractions actually made money instead of being a cost center. There was a yeah. concept. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I remember um, and, I remember you talking about that on your show, and I kind of thought about that when Lightning Lane hit. Like, hey, now there's a financial incentive. Like, I was in the queue line about a month ago for Rise of the Resistance about 8.30 at night. I had a late dinner <clears throat> and said, I'll hop on the queue the last 15, 20 minutes. The park's open and won't wait long. Waited in line for about 30 minutes, and they ended up dumping the queue. It went, to, it went down, and I thought, man... Now there's an executive who's saying all those lightning lanes, those people are going to go to guest services, are going to want a refund. It's going to create a negative experience. There's more incentive to keep maintenance staff and engineers on hand to repair those things, even on a Saturday night at nine o'clock, as opposed to just, oh, well, folks, uh, have a great night anyway. Uh, so that's that's why I'm... I'm I, I'm not a huge fan of a, the, you know, the, uh, you know, the pay per model, but at least like, like you're saying, it, it, there is now, it's now a revenue center, not a cost center. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and I always think about, I do think about the, um, the, uh, the story about universal, uh, making enough money off butterbeer in the first year to pay for the entire Harry Potter section. Which is really? supposedly true. <laughs> oh yes, that's supposedly true. So that's not surprising. So there you go. I think it's a lot of interest. Yeah. Who who needs Coca-Cola, right? <laughs> uh all right. So uh besides the fabulous entrees, uh diners can also enjoy innovative desserts like nitrogen flash frozen ice cream. See, I'm getting the gas thing in there. Uh and also relaxing cocktails, including the hydrogen and tonic, uh, hydrogen and tonic. So I was gonna stick some puns in there because you gotta, you gotta do that as well. Yeah, put in the so, tiki drink. Yeah, so there's so there's your restaurant, uh, and my last thing. Uh, now I'm just gonna get now I'm going crazy. This is where it's I'm off the rails here. So 
so guests who aren't looking for a meal may be tempted to step into the ozone walt disney world's first ever oxygen bar <laughs> the uh the steampunk inspired interior design uses pneumatic a pneumatic tube system to deliver menus and take orders and deliver the aromatic solutions that patrons can add to their higher than 20.9% oxygen mix. Uh, rates begin at a dollar per minute for up to a 20 minute session. Uh, now what's interesting is Jules Verne actually mentioned this idea in his 1870 novel, uh, Around the Moon. And the first real oxygen bar opened in Toronto in 1996. So if you don't want the steampunk you could always go with a uh, a turning red tie-in since it's since okay, the first one was yeah. in Toronto in the nineties. So, so there we go. Jules Verne. You get you get yeah, a great with Jules Verne or with the caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> but this oxygen bar thing is apparently a trend. It's they're yeah, in they're cities all... and people are mm -hmm. spending money to huff pure oxygen. So like why not if it's if it's profitable and throw it a in few, there Let's... a few years ago i was at, i was uh at a booth at a trade show uh i work in the mortgage industry and my boss said we got these guys they're uh, they run an oxygen bar we're gonna have them come in and set up in our in our booth and uh, let people come in and have oxygen i was like are you kidding me and we were the <laughs> most popular booth at that convention giving out like i said free oxygen come on in and there you go love it and i tell you what I, I enjoyed it made me feel fresh and clear it was really nice yeah if you want to go real crazy outside near the near the jumping fountains area you could have sort of a little jumping pad area where the kids hop up and down on these piano keys and play this air-driven calliope out there where you can hear it all throughout all throughout epcot that's cool yeah <laughs> love that love it so those are so those yeah. are my ideas for for the air, I'm sorry, the like I gotta get the name right. The Magnificent Skies Pavilion. Feature and sort. I like it. I like the notion of it. I like that you have you have ocean, land, water, space, and if you count World Showcase, you may have fire over there and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting notion of Epcot. Oh, you know, before we were recording the show tonight, I was mentioning to Mark uh, about how when I was really young, I loved the kitchen cabaret i couldn't get enough of that show every weekend i was dragging my family in there and they couldn't stand it for whatever reason and <laughs> and, and now you just bring me hope hey they're gonna route soren over to the new pavilion so man, man maybe we could get it back uh so yeah <laughs> that's just that's just that nostalgia it, 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 you know when it comes to when it comes to this fandom it's 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 interesting what what people have such nostalgia for uh uh, we uh, we had a lot of people talk about their nostalgia for the uh, the backlog tour at uh, Holly or at MGM Studios back in the day, and you know that that never really resonated with me. But it it really opened my eyes to see in the last week and a half how many people just absolutely love that. And just uh, one thing I, I learned back when I uh, worked in a video store is it doesn't matter how bad a movie is, somewhere out there it's their favorite movie and i think the same thing can be applied to the different attractions in the parks it doesn't matter how reviled it is the moment people say you know maybe we should uh, get rid of this food rocks how dare you my childhood is it just everything every, there's nothing i can't think of anything that is universally reviled except maybe the current incarnation 
of uh, Into Imagination simply because people can look online to see how great we used to have it. <laughs> I say, I, I bet in three, four years, it's like you will find kids that grew up with the Stitch attraction who miss it just as desperately as, you know, the yeah. the 30 year olds that like love Alien Encounter or method that it's gone. Or, or the, the dinosaur coaster that was just ripped out. Same with right, Kingdom. right. I, the uh, the hat, the Disney's Hollywood Studios, the hat that was a yes, yeah, that's Warriors. a real that hat is a true generational divide, yeah. Yeah, right? Before before 1980 or after 1990, that's the uh, you know, what if, if you knew the hat at, there, or if you remember being walking down uh, Hollywood Boulevard for the first time without that hat obstructing your view and seeing the beautiful Chinese theater people grew to resent the hat but the people that only knew that oh that's that's an icon of their childhood and i got my first disney pin down there how dare they take that down that that was really interesting to see when that one went away yeah all yeah, right the, the one the one thing i didn't like about the the journey into your imagination when i went there really when i saw it that one time is it Once. was just it felt empty you know it was it was like 80 percent liminal dark space that out of something that was completely used in the original attraction and it, it was there at the same I, I talked about this in a previous podcast it was there at the same time that test track was brand new too and it was in its first configuration where the, the queue line was basically this factory space and i really felt like i was at work instead of on vacation and i couldn't stand it <laughs> i felt like i was in a doctor's office or you know an optometrist and it's like, this is not working. I don't want to be back in a server room or in a factory. I want to be on vacation. Bring me back to the fantasy. Yeah, I've seen a, I've seen a lot of affinity and, and love for the old test track. I actually think I may have liked the original test track, especially with the pre-show with John Michael Higgins and the resulting ride. But that, that, that original factory, that always gave me a headache, always just banging metal against metal. And <laughs> yeah. it seems like they were punishing guests. I don't know. Yeah. The, the current version, <laughs> well, even the current version, is very much like Tron out in Shanghai. They have that similar flavor, similar area music, and the inside of it is sort of that dreamy space. They did a they did a better job the second version of that. I was going to say, even the music is all made of industrial sounds yeah. in the that version of Test Track. It's a great it's a great song, but again, it's clanking in metal, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I did really like the Quiet Room though. That one room that you would go into, maybe because it was so noisy everywhere else. Yeah. That, <laughs> well, also, you're such an audiophile, and you've captured so much park audio. There's nothing to capture in there. Yeah. Just... <laughs> right. I'm like, well, this one's done. Next. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for my job, I've been in those rooms before, those anaconic chambers, and the, the good ones are made so that when you step into these things, you're kind of on a bridge, so that they're, they're those foams are on all six walls. And you can hear nothing. You can, you can hear blood move through your skull. It's so quiet. It's incredible. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm sitting in the third chair, Mark. I'm going to keep this show. And I don't want to keep Mr. Bowers too, too late yeah. tonight. Yeah. It is, it's a school night. Uh, so we've heard about Magnificent Skies. where We're, we're co-opting Soren, And we're building a, a really fun sounding planes attraction. And this actually now makes me want to give planes a try to hear you speak so highly of it how uh i i may have just kind of dismissed it as a uh 
as a direct to video cash grab kind of thing. And now it sounds like, no, there's maybe something more there. And again, I love the reference to, uh, uh, I'm sorry. What was the film? Uh, the, uh, oh, Island top, at the Top of the World. Island, Island at the Top of the World. You know, I feel like I have at least a master's level knowledge of, of weird old Disney films, but that one, I, I think I've only seen it like once. I, I, I may have, every time I put were to put that one in, I just, no, Black Hole again. Uh, just, I couldn't get, <laughs> I couldn't get over how wonderfully weird that movie was. Uh, and I want to do something with that in the Disney space one day. Uh, but Mark, you're on deck. Okay. Let's right. hear your pitch. Okay, for my pitch, I'm sticking with the imagination theme. So we're just going to go to a, a new generation. So in our first generation, we rode with Dreamfinder. We went to the Dreamport and we explored explored imagination through the eyes of Dreamfinder and Figment. And then in the later generations, we ended up at the Imagination Institute with Dr. Nigel Channing and a, and a crazy Muppetized version of Figment. And so for now, this attraction becomes sparks of imagination. And so a portion of this concept is actually already happening today. And it all starts at the moment you step into Epcot Center at the entrance plaza, literally out of the gate. Because this whole time, all of that new area music that you hear today throughout the plaza, all of those new songs are actually the soundtrack for this new sparks of imagination attraction, along with a one little spark, of course. So we're all getting previewed to this experience now with all this new music without even knowing it. And after this new attraction gets built, we'll get a fresh new set of tracks for the Epcot entrance plaza, which will probably be for, I don't know, some bit similar to what they did before. So I'll, I'll show you what I mean about the soundtrack as we move along. So let's approach this imagination pavilion and it is courtyard, much like what we see today, but primed up and cleaned up and repainted new colors the water jump and splash area are refurbished the, the crystal pyramids are reglazed they have golden glass gold trim and led edge illuminated at nighttime this is just getting a full design refresh and in this courtyard we have, we hear various new area music tracks one of them is called nebula by terry divine king this music you know just by walking up this whole corner of world celebration or world nature or whatever it is has a whole new energy to it so now we enter the enter the pavilion at a brand new entrance we now go into this newly constructed wing added to the northwest corner of the original building this is beyond those hidden restrooms so we're going to keep the restrooms because everybody likes the restroom for some reason but i actually need this new wing because i need all this extra space for the introduction to this attraction it's a bit more than the existing queue space can accommodate. So this new wing is there for that. It basically looks like a wraparound continuation of the existing building. But much to you know, much of its exterior has a whole new aesthetic architected a little a little bit just to give it some more modern feel, but still congruent with the rest of the building. It'll have some obvious weeniness to it to say, hey, line up over here, I'm the new entrance. So we, we enter that area into this new wing, into this tall two-story 
atrium-like rotunda, clean marble throughout, echoey. We'll have a sunlit um, dome at the top, so a sunlit all through the gold-filtered glass above, and it'll glow inside. And right in front, right in front of us when we walk in, we see this larger-than-life golden statue of the Dreamfinder. All right, we're bringing the Dreamfinder back, and this is his story. Um, we also see a so giant. This, so, yeah. Mark, real quick, so we should we imagine it like almost like the partner statue? Yeah, kind yeah. Instead, with the uh, Dreamfinder. Yeah, you know, we're, we're remembering him from the past. Um, he's he's sort of you know brought to this little museum for himself or whatever, and we that's where we walk in. But it's just the atrium. It's just the beginning to the, this Q space. And, and also hanging from the ceiling of this big atrium, we see this giant, giant art mobile hanging from the dome um, with these little crafted golden letters dangling across the mobile. And the letters, they spell out to read, one little spark of inspiration is at the heart of all creation. And we also hear in that atrium, we hear some more music, which is, this is the magic, this is called the Magic Kingdom, oddly named, um, by Thomas Newman. So we hear that all throughout. And, you know, this also happens to be the theme music for Saving Mr. Banks. So it kind of evokes, evokes a, a Walt connection suitable for Epcot. And the, the looping music is just always there welcoming us into this new space, inspiring us to experience something new and something quite grand coming. And when this where we turn right and proceed through an arched threshold into a new queue, and we enter this tunnel queue area, we we begin a path that interwinds and S-curves because there's a long wait for the attraction. And I like to put it in this wing because it's air-conditioned. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, this queue space will be built with all the soft quality. We see similar to today's test track queue, like we mentioned before. Um, you know, maybe a little like those recent previews like we just got out of Cosmic Rewind. If you, I don't know if you've seen those yet on Twitter. Um, we're not going to have what we see today, we're not going to have these open ceilings painted black where you can see the steel trusses and conduits. That's all I go. It's going to be nice. It's going to be softly lit, somewhat dreamy space with a soft glow, mood lighting on the walls and ceilings. And we and while we're here, we hear, we hear music. Um, this is called The Fall by Up Moxie. Hmm. Yeah, so really dreamy space this is a bit like going through the star tunnel in space mountain or really you get that adjusted feeling a similar feeling with a good blast of air conditioning really putting you into that dreamy state and so as we proceed around the corner in this queue along a certain length the walls on the left and right beyond the queue handrails are all made out of tall curved glass panels all the way to the ceiling softly glowing and cloudy white the cloudy appearances in these glass walls seem to be moving and flowing and kind of nebulous, as if, as if we're in an interior space with real clouds outside just beyond our gla glass walls, the windows. And up to hip level, um, just kind of below the handrails, we'll have kind of 
merged up to the glass will have these milky acrylic forms shaped like clouds, each of them softly pulsing and glowing white. The area feels like, you know, a little bit like the begin, it's the kind of like the beginnings. Remember in Journey into Imagination when the when the vehicles move on and you're approaching the the turntables and you see the clouds just kind of pass right in front of you, like you're gonna you're gonna meet Dreamfinder there, or, or even when. The, the beginning of horizons where the vehicles turn that corner and you see the clouds up on the wall, the curved wall in front of you, and they're just kind of pulsing sort of like that. And, um, so we, we move, we move in these glass walls and we, we see glimpses of, of sunlight and sunbeams behind the clouds. And occasionally a rainbow stripe glides across as if cast from, from a prism somewhere nearby. And, um, the soft environment just continues to give it that, that dream state impression and this is this is what's beginning our act one this cue line is our act one and um and we and we look left and we think we see the clouded portion of the wall and the and one of the walls just open up and we can peek peek into this opening in the clouds and we hear a faint voice that sounds like figment and, he, and we, we hear him say oh there are so many places to dream about behind these clouds and we, we see these colorful trippy signs float by that read destiny, dreams, and worlds beyond, designed just exactly like the little words we saw in the former attraction. And then the clouds gently close like curtains. Um, I'm gonna try to briefly describe what we're seeing here as an effect. And just, just as a little spoiler alert, this is something that you actually see in the Tron queue. Um, and it's something that I saw when I was in Shanghai. It's really impressive. There's, there's these sections along the way in, Tron, in the Tron queue that have these Florida glass ceilings, just like I'm describing here, seamless glass video screens. They're showing animated circuit-like designs as if you've been derezzed inside the computer. But suddenly that video wall goes frosty and then transparent, clear though, so you can see what's on the other side. And what's on the other side is the, is the launch room of the coaster, which is extremely impressive. And I, I won't spoil it too much for you. So anyway, in these, these glass walls, they're actually transparent LCD screens built as a wall. So that, that's how you're getting all these graphic effects right, right there at you, but you're still able to see through it. So that the clouds and sparks of Imagination Q are animated on the surface of the LCD glass, and some parts of the LCD go transparent, so you can see what's behind it. And then um, beyond that, on the other side, several free to wear, more LCD walls, so you can see moving clouds there in the back, so it gives you this real sense of openness and depth, like you're peeking into this dreamy space. And um, you kind of see a similar things at Islands of Adventure in the Velocicoaster queue. Um, I, I don't know if you've ridden that ride yet, but they have, like at their little launch tunnel, they have these, um, you can see the, the Velociraptors kind of just scoot by and chase the coaster along the way if you're standing in the queue line. Similar effect. Um, I haven't ridden the attraction, but I've seen them. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. How have you been there yet? Have you been to Islands of Adventure? I, ha I have. I, 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 yeah. I, I did ride that. Uh, mm -hmm. What a great coaster. And that is a very yeah. cool effect, too, with yeah. the uh, the raptors chasing after the just launched coaster. Yeah. So these walls will actually be curved. And that, that'll just be, you know, the Imagineering flex beyond what, what Universal did there. So we proceed along. We're, we're still in this queue. We, we hear more faint voices behind these clouds. A figment of imagination, nation, nation. The clouds behind a right wall open up and we can see figment popping out of a gold pot to present himself. 
So in our dream, we're having these flashbacks of these visions of the past, getting ready to understand what's ahead. And we hear another voice. Everyone can think up new things, 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 things. The clouds on the other wall open up and we can see Figment at water's edge at his white origami grotto with all the sorts of prismatic rainbows casting upon everything nearby. And he's just sitting there looking at the water. And then those clouds close up and we hear another voice. Marvelous, new ideas, ideas, ideas. Clouds part on the other wall and we see a moving silhouette of a dream catching mobile floating in the evening blue skies with preload notes of one little spark. And then we hear another voice. This is as we're walking along the queue. Tears of laughter, laughter, laughter. More clouds open up and we see Figment lifting a barbell, morphed into Figment, riding a rocking horse, morphed into Figment, tap dancing, Figment underwater, Figment as a professor, all those film clips you saw from the former attractions climatic scene. And then the last clouds open up on the wall. And remember this, still all in the queue. We see more clouds beyond the open clouds, sunlit clouds. And when you look at them just right, like you, you, you think you're looking at an animal shape or something like that, but you actually make out it's the shape of the bearded face of Dreamfinder himself in cloud form. And we hear his dreamy voice. We can enter worlds that were, that could be, and those of fantasy and of reality. And then so from here, we proceed to, an, to enter a very open area in the queue line. The line splits into three lines, much like it did in Mission to Mars when you're looking at that pre-show. And on the stage area, we can see Figment piloting a full-size dream-catching flying machine right in front of us. Just like what we saw years ago with Dreamfinder piloting, but Figment is sitting in the seat where Dreamfinder once sat, piloting this craft, barely tall enough to reach the controls. He's wearing a pair of flying goggles on his forehead. And then he speaks to us. Oh, hello there. So glad you could come along. I'm Figment, a figment of imagination. And then we hear boop, 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 boop. Aha, musical notes. What delightful melodies those will make. I love these flights of fancy searching the universe for sounds, colors, ideas, anything that sparks the imagination. Imagination is something that belongs to all of us. Everyone can think up new things, and every sparkling idea can lead to even more. I found this dream-catching machine searching for my lost friend, the Dreamfinder. I think I discovered how to find him, and with your help, we can find him together. So everything that Figment learned from the Dreamfinder years ago, he's going to try to use that as a key. He's going to mimic today throughout this his upcoming search, and this will be, this will, this will, this whole scene sort of unlocks the familiarity for those who have experienced Journey into Imagination before at his inception. They'll say, "Aha! I remember all of this." Um, and then Figment says, "Look." The, brain, the big dream-catching mobile then lifts up and floats upward. He says, I've used electron beams and crystal prisms, gyroscopes and magnetisms to rebuild the dream-catching machine so that you can come along with me. And then we see he's added this really oddly mechanical contraption underneath the dream-catching machine, this big thing so that we can ride along with him as passengers in the search. And then Figment says, but first, we must go to the dream port. The dream port is never far away when you use your imagination. Come along, everybody, let's go. And we move forward. We make our way through another winding queue to the music of Transform.
we're moving along to that song. And this part of the queue pathway is lined with large glowing crystals to our sides, up and above, each pulsing various colors of the rainbow as we approach the, the dream port. And we come to a threshold with a big 3D animated sign above that, that reads the dream port. And we pass through and now we're greeted by the dream port host who delivers boarding instructions for us to board our new seats on Dreamfinders. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm Figment's dream catching mobile. And we're watching the video instructions starring Figment and a set of automatic doors open up and we enter the tarmac area of the dream port and we, and we walk beneath this unseen giant dream catching mobile that's up above us. We select a row, we sit in our selected seat, we're now seated, buckled up and ready for Figment and his dream catching mobile to lift up and take off. So where do you think we are? This is this is sort of what Hal Bowers did in his concept. We're yeah. actually in the Soren Theater. So we're gonna ah. use this Yeah, we're gonna use the Soren Theater here and we're gonna share this pavilion space. This is sort of a new concept. I came up with for attractions of actually sharing these spaces because I think we could use one of these theaters permanently for sparks of imagination and then another theater could be used permanently for the land showing Soren and then the middle theater can sort of be swapped between them you know depending on traffic whatever so both both movies will be loaded up and I thought that would be a fun idea so we're that's why I had to build this wing because we're trying to get over across the street there to this Soren Theater is now connected to imagination, just like you did. And I, I do think that, to, you know, to make this really pop as is, is new dream-catching uh, seats, we're, we're going to, you know, give these things some ornamental upgrades with polished decorative brass, and brass embellishments here and there. So you really feel like you're boarding the dream-catching mobile. So with all these guests seated, we lift upwards and our new journey to find Dreamfinder immediately begins and this is a brand new fully cgi produced digitally projected presentation onto the giant peripheral wide soren screens and figment is piloting from way up above us and narrating and we're riding along underneath listening and watching along the way and then so once once we lift up we lift up to this song called the ocean returns the favor Okay, so once we're up and we hear this music, we, we hear Figment say, I bet we could use imagination to discover all kinds of new things. And from here, we're flying just above the ground level into a vast field of crystals. The imagery give evidence that we're, we're microscopic, yet flying, sort of like a, a new journey through inner space or adventures through inner space. I mean, we're flying left and right and dodging each crystal along the way with near misses. And we glimpse quickly and we can see animated faces and objects on each of these facets of each crystal in this in this room in front of us or this field. We see people and pets, sceneries and all kinds of things, thousands of facets on thousands of crystals everywhere. And one pair of crystals nearby strangely look familiar to the shapes of the pyramids of imagination. And this whole scene will be richly animated, very high resolution, with lots of amazing detail that fills the entire screen as in, is constantly in motion. And we rush by more crystals, crystals and Figment yells, Searching the universe! And then our airship maneuvers, and we appear to swoop up, racing high above this field of crystals towards the outer reaches of dark space above. And our ship rotates, allowing us to look back downward towards the field of crystals from high above, 
and we, we see nothing else than this, just this field which stretches edge to edge on this enormous screen. And our ship keeps moving backward as we look downward, moving higher and higher and higher. The crystals begin to converge tighter and tighter. And Figment says, I'll wind this dial and time escapes. Our view suddenly twists as we climb higher, spinning in front of us. As the Figment is turning barrel rolls in, in the sky, in the, in the airship, and we see the, the ever so shrinking field of crystals twist right in front of us, and everyone gasps as they grip their armrests, trying to maintain their bearings. You know, you know, think of what we once saw in the speed rooms of World of Motion. Remember the lava scene where it's kind of twisting in front of us, and you feel like you're spinning with it? Sort of like that. And we, we climb higher and yet higher, and Figment stabilizes the dream-catching mobile. And we can just begin to make out what these crystals look like, from a very far distance. We still see everything edge to edge on the screen, but an image is actually beginning to form amongst these billions of crystals. And Figment says, technology like a newfound potion allows us to marvel at mysteries of motion. We slowly lift just a bit higher until we finally see the image form. It's Dreamfinder. It's a still photograph of him long ago. Mm -hmm. And this is where we hear the applause from the from the fellow writers because Dreamfinder found him in a photograph. The crystals here are this actually the silver halide particles on the surface of Kodak film, striking color and bright blue skies. It's a 1980s photograph at a meet and greet, just outside the courtyard of the pavilion long ago. We see we see Dreamfinder smile, his red his bright red beard, his rosy cheeks. We see his black silk top hat and the blue sash. We see his black and blue jacket and his white shirt. He's greeting a toddler who's wearing a yellow shirt and bright red overall. So it's really showing off Kodak in a big way. Very colorful. We float slightly further away and we see how bright and colorful and happy and peaceful this photo is. And then suddenly, flash, the screen turns white and then back to darkness. And Figment yells, what a spark. And for a moment, the photograph transforms into a negative with all of its colors reversed. And then it convenes back to normal. And then again, boom, a burst of light flashes at the top left corner. And the photo begins to violently zip back and forth as this light beam across the photo. Left to right, row by row, top to bottom, flashing across the photo. And the music, um, she's a superhero, played by the orchestral group, strangely called Two Steps from Hell, begins to play. While this music plays, and as the scanning light flashes, green, red, and blue lasers are cast from behind us, above our heads and below our feet, cast throughout the space, zipping all across Dreamfinder's image. It's a complete immersive experience all around us. And when this light show is done, everything comes to stillness for a sheer moment. And then we dive straight down into the photograph with top acceleration. We rush straight to its surface, surface of the photo and pass right through it with high speed not really hyperspace speed more like wonka boat speed <laughs> like a fast <laughs> tunnel <laughs> with a you know brightly colored flowing energy all around us and we slow down into an easy coasting flight just as we have just as we have achieved zero g orbit and figment says a mystery story we're now hovering at microscopic ground level again but our surroundings are different this time Figment says, what about science, science, science? We don't see crystals anymore. Now we see silicon devices. We see hundreds of small objects that are linear, right-angled, pronged, and interconnected, and every surface, every surface glistens with almost holographic glimmer. 
The surfaces are almost, they don't look metallic and plastic. It, remember that large metallic foil part that Dreamfinder was painting, that fiber holographic thing? Yeah. Yeah, in the Dreamport where he says, Mix red and gold from autumn flowers, purple and blue. From twilight hours, green summer hills, and rainbows play a part. <laughs> a painter's brush, a work of art. Sort of gives you that type of um, impression. You, you can kind of remember that. Um, we see pulses of energy crisscrossing these interconnections. And as this happens, we hear the song, The Seasonal Seas, played by Stephen Price. And have you ever seen those, like, on these Apple promos inside the Apple or iPhone, these little CGI animations that Apple shows at their events where we're sort of flying into and through the inner electronics and really getting close to that nanoscale above the transistors or the processors. This is sort of what this is like. Okay. But, but a little bit more fanciful, a little bit more artistic because it's, it's, you know, it's an art pavilion. And um, it's screen-wide flying into a horizon, into a horizon, this, both... Both this scene and the crystal scenes will be full of little Easter eggs that encourages us to visit again and again and find these little hidden things that digital artists might have, might have planted. So the, the passengers are again trying to regain their bearings, trying to figure out where they are and why. We're flying around and above all these computer board level electronics devices everywhere. And um, savvy riders might notice that some of these devices, when they're grouped together, they look a bit like the pavilions of Epcot Center itself. We bank left, dodging an oncoming object, fly over a, another object and aim straight into a particular one that looks a lot like Spaceship Earth. And we are sucked into it like a vacuum. And we find ourselves zipping and turning left and right and right again, like, like a Tron light cycle in the original movie. And we see nearby energy pulses race with us, in front of us, and, and above us. We, we turn up. We suddenly turn up and then burst out of this dream world. And again, we're flying back through open space. And now we find ourselves flying above the seemingly infinite, perfect, perfectly geometric, colorful array. We see equally round rectangle, rectangles all around us. All a pattern of glowing red rectangles, glowing blue rectangles, glowing green rectangles, all in a perfectly arranged pattern. We can see their glows pulse, each brightening and dimming while retaining their individual colors. We coast along gracefully, peacefully, banking left and right, hovering above this light field as if we're ice skating on it again. Just like one of those promotional Apple videos across the giant screen. It's kind of like your Ant-Man inside this thing. <laughs> then we, we, ease, we ease upward, just like before, gaining altitude, looking down to this pattern, and we see these colorful dots begin to magically converge as if we're you know, at our highest height, we once again see that an image form, and it's the same image that we saw before, Dreamfinder, but this time in the form of light pixels. So we're looking at a screen. And here Figment says, Imagination, it's your key to unlock the hidden wonders of our world. Immediately, we see the toddler disappear from the image, moving off frame to the left. We see the still image of Dreamfinder in this pixel form, and then his eyes move to look right at us. And in an instant, a vectorized 3D wireframe form magically lifts up from the screen surface, and we lower an altitude to start to fly around it. And all this is going on to a song called The Numbers Build by Stephen Price. Again, lasers behind us cast upon this wireframe image. A faceted angular form of Dreamfinder's head, head shape comes out of the pixel field, 
And each facet of this forming 3D geometric shape pulls pixels off the screen one by one with speed and puts them into place, sort of like upside down rain, as if he's being 3D modeled on the fly. And, can, and we continue to fly around Dreamfinder's forming 3D head as if we're a spacecraft orbiting a moon. And the, facet, the facets begin to smooth out and the pixels render into place. Detailed hair grows and the, the form begins to contort and then animate. Quickly, the form becomes a complete 3D digital model of the Dreamfinder right off the screen with full resolution, full color, full glow, and his eyes reopen and he looks at us again. Dreamfinder has transformed into this new digital self in this new digital era of imagination. Figment explains, A work of art! Dreamfinder smiles and then he speaks to us for the first time with thick volume. Figment! I'm just right! To which Figment responds, Ah, 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 not quite! Also in a chash dash of childish delight! And Dreamfinder giggles and we giggle and Dreamfinder's back and the writers are up with applause. So basically what has happened here is this premise is that Journey into Imagination in its first inception was film photography and the, the, the crystals uh, on the pavilion are actually reminiscent of silver halide crystals and so are all the little objects around the outside. And when, when film photography went obsolete, so did this pavilion and it was replaced with the Imagination Institute when that was conceived and created and somehow through all of this figment was able to to um, reincarnate and survive with Dr. Nigel Channing and he thrived for years in that Imagination Institute but all this time the world moved on with the progress of digital devices and Dreamfinder was trapped in that old forgotten era of film photography on the photographs themselves and all of our old photographs. Our, imagine, our imaginations were only good as the still photographs that captured our memories and in many respects, many respects they still are. But Figment survived and he found a way to rescue the Dreamfinder by scanning one of his old photographs, lifting him out of that former universe, bringing him to today's modern digital universe, transforming Dreamfinder into this new presence and new form so that he could survive and thrive with all of us in this new digital and connected era. So in essence, most of most everything that Dreamfinder said in, in the first area of the imagination script were actually secret keys that Figment could use to unlock him and bring him into this new era. And that's exactly what Figment did using all these formal phrases that Dreamfinder provided, and it worked. So Dreamfinder's back, and he says, thank you, my friends, he says. And our seat lowers to the Dreamport, Dreamport tarmac, and Figment says, let's have a new adventure into, and journey into imagination again. Come on, everybody, let's go. And then we disembark our seats and make our way to the Dreamport <clears throat> to the song Beyond Horizon, again by that strange Two Steps from Hell. I don't know why they call themselves that name. <laughs> so, that's Act Two. Now, every, everyone's heart is pumping and we're full of excitement and energy. We feel the thrill that Dreamfinder's back and we're excited to see what's ahead. We make our way through the doors into a new queue, making our way back to the main building of Journey, of Journey Pavilion. We proceed onward to our new journey into imagination with Figment and Dreamfinder again in this new era that leads us into the future. And in this return queue, we hear music called A Different Set of Rules by Stephen Price. And at one switchback sweep along this queue as we're approaching the other pavilion, we enter a, we enter a new neon rainbow corridor in the, in the queue where the neon changes colors and swirls all around us and spirals, just 
like a more advanced one of the one that was at the image works you know, everybody always wants that thing to come back well, we'll bring it back to this cube imagine it powered with leds and you yeah. could do thousands of micro lights all in, a, in, a, in that chamber yeah. really plus it up yeah that'd be wonderful so we come to this new big open room where we get near our our vehicles and it's got you know again it's a large tall ceiling um sunlit space and there's there's some crystals everywhere casting rainbows everywhere from the sunlight or when it's a rainy day or dark we'll use leds to make that and we'll play some of that old familiar area music like the, the oompa version of one little spark or the making memories on the marimbas and um and so on the walls of this this new waiting area we see um painted artwork on the walls of dreamfinder and figment but it's not it's not painted still art it's animated art very surreal looking and slowly flowing across the walls as they move and you know of course this is accomplished with double layers of displays and and casted projections making making it look multi-dimensional and as these images gracefully move across the wall we'll see wavy graphical wakes flow behind them really reminiscent of what we saw with the pin tables years ago so we approach the new loading area and when you see what we're about to board we're approaching our very own traveling airships our very own dream catching mobile so instead of those blue vehicles that we once rode when we visited tra the traveling dream finder we're now our own dream finders and everyone is a dream finder and this is the journey story we're about to tell so these moving dream catching airships are suspended from above very using the very same overhead ride system um, used for the pirate ships at shanghai disneyland um, i'll put a video up on youtube for that but um, it's quite an advanced ride system and it's more than just a suspended monorail so it can do a lot of different types of maneuvers and here's the fun part um, is that every one of these airships has their own unique design so some look brassy and steampunky like the original and some look similar in ornamentation to italian vespas with bright teal colors and chrome and some look futuristic with white plastic and sleek body forms some look floral some look wooded as if carved by wood elves um, some look like they're woven out of vines of a rainforest you get the idea and this will contribute to the ride repeatability and when everybody wants to ride the next version of the vehicle the next time and it'll just be a nice it'll be expensive but it'll be a nice imagineering flex and as we board these ships which actually begins the act three of our journey we look to our left and we see something similar to what i described in mickey steamboat willie attraction in disney space episode six where um where we reimagine hal's favorite space the mr toad's wild ride we look into what looks like a beautifully framed mirror and we see the riders see themselves wearing various hats and goggles or glasses or gloves that all match the airship that they're riding on so that similar sort of snapchat type of masking effect and we press forward and we hear that original journey into imagination intro music um those little whistly bouncy one little spark notes as we make our way through the darkened threshold so I'll, I'll give you a little clip to put right here so here's our scene. yeah so now we get to our scenes scene one here we've rebuilt that large round carousel space except this one is one large scene this is not the several little equal scenes and pie-shaped pieces that travel with us our airships they they rotate about 80 degrees toward the scene and they fly sideways as they revolve their ways around this round scene and if you recall 
the old world key information system. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I'll put a picture of this up on our, our Twitter. Um, you could actually you, you could actually go into that world key information system and touch each of the pavilions of Epcot, and you, it would show you old videos and information about each particular pavilion. Well, if you select a journey into imagination to learn about its experience, it referred to the Dreamfinder as Professor Dreamfinder, sort of like Indiana Jones is Dr. Jones, professor of archaeology at Mar Marshall College. And of course, we never saw Dreamfinder as acting in this professorship formally. Um, he was just out and about on his adventure. I don't know, maybe maybe the winding dial room was at his university, but but here Dreamfinder is back. We have gone straight to the Dreamfinder to the professor's university study. He is Professor Dreamfinder here. And so this whole area is sort of his um, his study. And the, the the study is it's wood paneled and wood trim. It looks like it was built in the 1600s. It's a little bit Oxford University, a little bit Swiss clockmaker shop, a little bit North Pole. Some might mistake it for Professor Dumbledore study. Um, yet it's also been modernized with the latest technology throughout as if he's studying and experimenting with the future. Fun things, not really mad scientist things. But So in this, in this round study, Professor Dreamfinder is present in the center of the room, but he's in an obviously digital form in a 3D full 3D hologram like you might see in Star Wars, but with full brightness, full color, full resolution, standing and speaking. Remember, we brought him back into this digital area, so he's this digital figure. And so Dreamfinder, he sees us and he says, oh, hello there, I am Professor Dreamfinder. Figment says, look, Dreamfinder, they're flying. We continue to fly around and suddenly as we move, Professor Dreamfinder's form changes. Now we see that Dreamfinder appears as a lady somewhat looking like Dame Emma Thompson, who played Baroness in the in the movie Cruella. And she played actually played Peel Travelers in Saving Mr. Banks. And so now, she, now Dreamfinder is a she, and we hear her say, Figment and I are delighted to send you upon your new journey into imagination. And Figment says, Dreamfinder, they'll need smart glasses and tiny silicones, colorful pixels and sparkly octagons. We keep moving along in this in the circle and Professor Dreamfinder's form changes again. This time it is somewhat familiar with a man named Dool Hill who plays the father in the modern version of the Wonder Years, the, the African-American family. So he's an African-American man. And he says, that's it, Figment. Sparkle, we'll give them a spark of inspiration and send them on their way. Figment says, everything they collect will inspire amazing and marvelous new ideas. Then Professor Dreamfinder transforms into a younger but more colorful form, something like a mid-twenties Elton John. And then they both sing. We all have sparks, imagination. That's how our minds create creations. Right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. Oh, boy. Imagination. Okay, so we've approached the end of this carousel space. So we're about to go into the next scene, and our ships straighten out, 
and we we approach a floor-to-ceiling human right ear as we and we're about to fly inside the little ear hole and once once we do that we're inside this dark space and we see that it's full of pipes leading to and fro and lots of large gears and cogs all meshed together and turning in a large interacting mechanical contraption hundreds of wires are everywhere to the sides below sparks moving energy along their links and we immediately turn right and look at two giant round screens up in front of us as if we're looking through someone's eyes and we're basically in someone's head um, we're inside their mind and in the views of the two eyes we see a vision of professor dreamfinder but we see two dreamfinders because there's a left and right the right eye is his familiar red bearded male self and the other eye is another dreamfinder, but different. This one looks a little bit like more like Angela Bassett, dressed in gold and maroon, head to toe. Oh, huh. yeah. I don't know if you remember Angela Bassett. She was in um, Black Panther. Um. So again, the the reason I'm making Dreamfinder all these other forms is because we're all we all have Dreamfinders within us, and so I, I want everybody to have their own interpretation of what a dream finder is and we're showing all of it in this attraction in different ways right um so when when either of these dream finders act and speak in the in these eyes both voices are spoken at the same time both sets of lips are perfectly synchronized both voices male and female precisely overlap and they speak you never know what kind of inspiration we might encounter here's my favorite we bank a 180 degree left turn or left turn around the gears and the pipes and they begin to sing two tiny wings smile of a flower dandelion yellow and full of power voice from within she sings like just like a lark and there voila you've got a sparkle a sparkle of inspiration and as we back around we see the we see the back of our mind a new character a bright yellow dragon spotlighted against the sparking wires and turning cogs sparkle the dragon just like figment but girl and she says dreamfinder i'm just right and the dreamfinder say ah, ah ah not quite also in a dash of shining delight he <laughs> And then we turn right and fly out of this left ear directly into a large, bright, colorful flower garden where we're all about the size of a bee. And the sunlight, the sunlit giant flower blooms are all around us and the space smells of roses. And the, and the music is this. And to the right of us, Sparkle flies up, flapping her back wings and appears from behind one of the flowers saying come on figment we have to exercise to help us imagine her voice her voice kind of sounds like a reese witherspoon or a hillary duff or maybe an olivia holder some some young girl that's just full of energy um bright and full of energy to our left we see figment fly up above the roses sparkle if we work together we can create all kinds of things and sparkle responds it's how our minds create creations and figment says and every sparkling idea can lead to even more. So the basic idea here is that imagination imagination is effective when there's great inspiration to drive it. After ideas are formed, inspiration can be reapplied to make more ideas and better ideas, and that carries us forward 
on our creative journey. And this basically this is basically what Walt did. He was the sparkle that inspired all all these masters of creation to do to do their imaginative magic. Um, and as we proceed through this flower garden, which by the way smells of roses, like it did in the original, not skunk. We proceed and flat and figment and sparkle are jumping and flipping up in the air on both sides of this from and and from behind many of the flower petals and not and um basically this might be an effect of there's a bunch of of soft plushy <laughs> dragons that are shot out of a cannon just blasting up and down they're flying and they're they're basically exercising they're trying to bring their energy up so they can imagine and through some of the walls of the flowers we can see shadows what we think might be tinkerbell and her friends and we can hear the little pixie fairies little blinks so maybe we can add in some little Disney IP here and there in, in the little hints. And then suddenly our, our, our airships move into this very dark um, but brightly starlit space and we hear this music. What about science? Science? We hear Professor Dreamfinder skyrocket soar towards outer space. And here we see Professor Dreamfinder safely inside of a capsule pod, robotically latched to a space truss. And you might remember this from Horizons. And we're in outer space here. But this Dreamfinder reminds us of Simi Liu, who I, can't, I think is how you say his name, is the Japanese guy. We've seen him in Shang-Chi, who's playing a Japanese man. So. We're in out. We're in outer space here. Our ships are gracefully banking left and right and slowly going up and down like we're in zero G. And we're orbiting a brightened fiber optic projected planet Saturn. And here we can see Sparkle and Figment floating around in their dragon spacesuits. And Figment, Sparkle, and Sparkle are working on a nearby satellite. And the scene kind of reminds us of the mural painting at the entrance of Spaceship Earth, but now it's sort of cartoonized for imagination. And Sparkle responds to Dreamfinder, imagine yourself in an infinite place. Figment is flipping around in a spacesuit saying, wee, kind of like in this little, I don't know, it was a basketball room scene or a zero G scene in the original journey. And off in the distance of space, we might think we see Eve from Wally just kind of float by, just a little Easter egg out there. So let, let's take a little break here because I got, um, I got a couple of scenes at the very end, but I want to make sure we capture four major areas of imagination. One of them is STEM, which I covered in the space scene. Space scene, but we have we have visual arts, performance arts, and music. And I thought you guys might want to help contribute to some scene ideas in this, if you want to, if you're interested in that. Okay. So visual arts. What what, what would you do with the new Sparkle and Figment and Dreamfinder, or performance arts or music? Any ideas? Oh, this is one... so, yeah, go, go for it. <laughs> the one thing I like about having a sparkle in, in this attraction is it, it's sort of like a little sister to Figment now. And, and imagine the, um, the, the new shop over there on the other side of Epcot is going to be full of these new dolls. We're going to make so much money off this. new Yeah, doll. That's, that's the exit to the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> new, new popcorn buckets and all of that. Um, you know, I've, I've really wanted to bring 
imagination back. I wanted to bring Dreamfinder back, but I wanted to do it right. I wanted to I wanted to make sense for what imagination was. It was all about, you know, it sort of was about, you know, Kodak. It was photography. Right. And, you know, today's today's world is our, our camera phones and technology and, and able to manipulate pictures and send them. And so this is the new space that Dreamfinder is in. So maybe we'll go to maybe we'll go to Twitter this week and we'll, we'll get some people to think about how to add a couple more scenes to this for visual arts, performance arts, and music. But um, it's it, it's so beautiful and weird and I mean it's Epcot. It's everything I loved about old Epcot, but modernized and contextualized. And I mean I I. I don't feel I could do any justice <laughs> to to add on something with no preparation time because yeah. what you have is just sounds so lovely. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I want to see all this. <laughs> yeah, I told Jeff in our in our last podcast, mm. I want to make sure that that these ideas are so good that they make 50-year-old men cry. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the audience. I thought it would be cool to have this one haunting menacing scene sort of like we saw in the original but um these would be filled with this room would be filled with giant creatures that are meant to stifle imagination and creativity and scoff at their ideas and out in front of the air airship as we go into this room figment and sparkle pop up out of the front of our airship so they're like these little hidden animatronics in our ride vehicle that are now they're riding with us because they're they're terrified um I'd like to see this big, big creature with a cubic shaped head with words on its belly that says writer's block. You, you remember the old, that old haunting room where there's just like words like avalanche and all that everywhere. Right, um, monsters and yeah. Yeah, spark, you know, surprise. <laughs> this is kind of like harkening back on that. Uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a writer's block monster, another creature that says stay on budget. And another one that mm -hmm. says out of, out of time one that says too expensive and no one says you can't or we tried that or only for others and another big one jeff that says but there's big buildings back there yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i got another, a little heat for that <laughs> another one that says do your research <laughs> it, yeah yeah how they think sometimes we just look at the mde app and see the green space on the park maps and feel like okay we can play with that with no consequences but, <laughs> but actually, actually there's offices and air conditioning chillers and stuff back there all that unimportant junk but then we um we escape out of this room and we fly into and we fly into this bright blue sky with clouds above and to the left and right we see these colorful kites everywhere as a as if we've we've come out ahead with flying colors and sparkle says we did it figment we're flying to our next amazing ideas if we can dream it we can do it should i put that in there i don't know if i should put that in there <laughs> um should. yeah it's, yes we don't have yes, horizons anymore so why not <laughs> we'll credit it to who it belongs to um, and amongst amongst the one little spark everywhere, we almost hear violin hints of "Let's go fly a kite" from below somewhere. So it's sort of like, are we flying above that Mary Poppins scene with the kites? And in our second to last scene, I wanted to do something really special here. We have a 
we, we go into this room that has this big plethora of screens all around the room um, as it is full of giant smartphones and tablets and desktop screens and laptops and smart glasses and smart watches. And above left and right, we'll see a giant slowly rotating, highly specular sparkling galaxy that's spinning just to give us that, that mood. And we will play this music. So that is from Making Memories. I want to try to play that really soft melodic music where the lady sings that all around us in this ever-changing world, we can see the galaxies of photographs unfold. And those lyrics are just so fitting for summarizing this entire attraction, starting with the albums of the old photographs, bringing them into this world and utilizing today's amazing emerging technologies to carry us forward as the scene illustrates that. So in this scene, on all these screens, we, we can see these sort of like live views of Instagram shots from people around the world um, chatting with Figment or Sparkle or Dreamfinder or, or things that look like Snapchat. And we can see little conversations happening. Maybe it's all fake or maybe it's all real. I don't know. But this, this, this new, this new, this is how we behave today as a society and share each other's imaginations live as we go. And I want to have, as our ships turn, we, we can see Figment and Sparkle are held in the original red-bearded Dreamfinder's arm. He's just holding them there. And Dreamfinder is oriented away from our traveling airships. And his other hand, he's holding his smartphone, trying to get a selfie with his little pet dragons. Mm -hmm. And we're photobombing them from behind. And as we approach and turn, Dreamfinder's phone flashes. So if we're wearing our magic bands, the band will detect which design of vehicle we're sitting in. And if our Disney World account profile includes our social media accounts and handles, Dreamfinder will automatically post this photo of his selfie to our Instagram or our TikTok or our Snapchat or our Facebook or our PhotoPass or all of that. And, and in the, when you pull up those pictures, it'll be the form of Dreamfinder in, his, in the digital self. And it could be of any variation that we just saw, lady, male, any of those types of things. It's not literally like the animatronics that he's looking at. And, that, and your head in that photo will be digitally masked according to the design of the vehicles that you're in, of course. And he'll tag you in the posts and you can forward them to your friends and family if you're with. So it's a very, it's a very direct connection to you in the scene. And so then we approach the very final scene. And this is really wacky. Um, because here to the right, Dreamfinder will be a full animatronic seeing imagination the whole song. And to the left, we'll see this. We'll see Figment and Sparkle standing beside each other, each not moving, 
each looking wide-eyed right at us, not smiling, not speaking. Because behind them, we'll see this very large space, and, and it's sort of like Figment's rainbow-lit grotto with all the white surfaces and trees and vines and streams and little rainbow. We'll see 100 dragon eggs, each recently hatched. Each one of them has a unique baby dragon inside, all different colors and shades, each moving and smiling, and all of them singing. And so you're like, Figment and Sparkle just know, oh my gosh, we had babies, now what? Hundreds of dragons. So now you can imagine the shop around the corner that's going to have all kinds of little knick-knack little dragons that you can get, not just Figment and Sparkle, but... The Figment Rookery. Everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So then we get... To, so how do you like this so far? Is it okay? <laughs> You know, you're you're neck and neck right now, and, and uh we've got some great marketing potential, so keep it up. Yep. Okay, so we come to our we come to disembark, we finished act three, we're getting off the ride. And so I'm I'm trying to think, what do we do with the place upstairs? This took me a while to figure out what do we do with the upstairs space. So I want we can go up there if we want to, and it's a place that I think is gonna be sort of maybe for adults only. Um like right now I think it's limited to the DVC guests up there. Yeah. I want to rename that whole place called call it Figonia. So Figonia is a if you look at some of the original Epcot education material videos of, of Figment, the cartoons, sometimes he goes to this little place called Figonia. It's kind of a little Sesame Streetish type of place. We'll call it Fig Figonia upstairs. Um, you know, we, we'll still we'll still have the um, image works downstairs. That's fine. That that can stay. So when you get up there, you'll be in under the pyramid crystals, sort of like today. It's a refreshment space. Um, a nice place available, and and in the back area at Image Works, I want to have How Bowers Liquid Luau Epcot Tiki Bar. How about <laughs> that? <laughs> and here you we and on this bar it'll be actually be the pin tables underneath while we while we wait to for how to mix our mind blown mixed drinks. So I don't know. I don't really know what to do with that space, but I thought like a, a little bar area would be a good little expansion. Even even today, they could do something like that, you know, or do something sort of similar to Sky Lounge. If you if you go back and listen to our episode two, I'll talk about uh, I, I convert Mission to Mars into Sky Lounge, and this could be Epcot's version of that. Hmm. You know, we could have some social media creation spaces for personalities and small studios for people to set up their YouTube shows and podcasts and whatever. And as we go back outside, here's some other special stuff. This is another mind-blowing thing. All right. I'd like to demolish the Magic Eye Theater. Oh. Kill it. Get rid of it. They don't use it today. It's kind of, it's kind of amazing to me. You know, Disney is this, you know, world-renowned studio company that with the, the best of the best movie makers of, of every type. And we have this great theater there that's really useful for you know, Pixar festival stuff, really? So if they can't figure out what to do with it, I say get rid of it. And here's what I'd like to do there. And and how you mentioned this in your pitch, that there's so much land space there, especially if you get rid of that area. You can even push out to the sidewalks next to to um, World Showcase. Yeah. Imagine, imagine this. If you go back to the original renderings of Epcot 
city, Progress City, and you see that tall shimmering tower in the middle of that city, imagine a shrunken down version of that here. So say that thing is 80 stories tall in the renderings. Just make it maybe 14 or maybe eight stories tall here, forced perspective, similar design, um, and just build a little tower there. You know, if, if we never got our original Epcot, we can have it now. And put that put that tower here. Um, give it some glass and aluminum trim and that tall, that, that top sharp spire. And I'd like to do a few things here. At the bottom of it, I'd like to have an expanded base of it. Um, sort of like if you go to the casinos in Las Vegas, like the bottom floor is this huge open space. Mm -hmm. And I want to make I want to bring something over from Singapore. If you, if you listen to our um, if you if you hear our what was it our dinosaur pitch where I brought in South America, I brought up some stuff from Singapore. Which there's a museum there's a museum there called the Red Dot Museum, and what Red Dot is 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 the society or, or organization a world world renowned organization that give that gives award for awards for products. So it's like the Emmys of product design. And I'd like to put another red dot museum here. There's only one in the world. I, there might be two. There might be one in Milan too. But I like the, the U.S. version to be right here, right in Epcot. I think it'd be great for Epcot. Put it right here at the Imagination Pavilion, and people can walk in and look at all the new release design products of the day. And then you know, as as new products are designed, ones taken out, the new ones put it in, and they're all award winning. They all have little stuff explaining about them. Actually, I have coffee books, coffee table books about these every single year. They come out in yearbooks. That's really, really cool. I'll put some of these pictures up on Twitter. So the Red Dot Museum. And you could use other floors of this building to, for other things. You could put a restaurant in there that overlooks the lagoon for, you could see, you know, great views of Hermanius up there. Um, you could have some other spaces there just for meet and greets, or, or even like um, you could put just like in Sky Lounge, where you have these, these people online, these these personalities that you want to meet. You can go meet Hal Bowers. <laughs> you know, 15, hey, hey. 1,500 people kind of line up to meet and greet. You could even put a, you know, a DVC exclusive penthouse up there to sleep in, just like the, the castle, castle suite. Castle suite or the, so, uh, the pirate suite, yeah. Yeah, so put Progress Tower right here at, at Sparks of Imagination. <laughs> That's my pitch. That's everything. You know, I really like both of your ideas. Uh, I, uh, on one hand, Mark, you 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 took it as the next iteration, the next chapter in Figment Saga, and kept it true to the pavilion. You both repurposed the Soren building for your own purposes. One is to just ship the ride over; the other is to augment attraction. I like that. And again, there's there's the killer IP, and as we're quick to point out, yes, even Figment is technically an IP. Now, it's not necessarily like a licensed IP or an acquired IP. It's a park original, but still intellectual property. So you've got that versus the Planes franchise, which, again, Hal, you've got me convinced to check out the Planes movies. That's something that I thought I'd, I'd never sit down and visit, but now I want to see them this weekend. But I'm going to tell you why I'm going one direction versus another. Because, Mark, I really, really like your idea. And I think our listeners are probably going to lean your way more than Hal's way. But I'm, but I'm the executive here. And the reason I'm picking Hal's idea for this show is, as someone who loves Epcot and what Epcot was, 
looking at that side of the park, and I always, I can never get this straight because of the geography. That is Future World West. Is, am I right? Or is it East? East. East. Yeah. I always yeah. get them confused. I can never get them <laughs> yeah. straight. That's all right. Yeah, uh, spin around. So, I have the I'm same almost, problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm always upside down in that park because now it balances. You have sea, land, and air. And really, yes, yeah, Soren is kind of a head scratcher there. Well, you got to fly over land, so that's how you fly. No, pushing it towards an air pavilion. The reason I'm leaning that way is because by strengthening the theme of the entire area means it's less likely you're going to lose the land or lose the seas. And, you know, losing the seas is something that I think has been batted about for a while. Mark, you even mentioned once in our fun reimaginings to, you know, uh, put all the fish in baggies and take them over to Animal Kingdom and replicate the uh, the tank over there. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, what may have been just a rush to compete against SeaWorld I know it's not sea base alpha anymore, but I can walk around there and squint enough that it is to me. And I love going into that observation area and you can see the dolphins and the fish and you still see the scuba divers today. And uh, I, you know, I have a very close family friend that is a, uh, a friend of Mickey that is a scuba diving Mickey. And that always just impressed me so much. I love seeing that. And so because of that, and my love for the land pavilion and the fact that with Soren gone, Kitchen Cabaret 2.0 uh, is, is definitely on slate. Uh, I'm going to have to award this week's Disney space to our very special guest, Mr. Hal Bowers. So cheers to you. Yeah, he gets Yay. the golden figment. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> and uh, that uh, that animated little uh, fella. No, and... <laughs> No, if, if if they're smart, they they really do need to provide Figment with an attraction that suits him. He is the park icon. Like I said, they sell so much merch three times a year. You know, art festival, garden festival, food festival. And what is it? It's you, you just change the costume that Figment's wearing, and they always sell out of all that merchandise. So he's beloved. I, I see so many kids today with, with figment plushies uh, walking around the park. Then I, I know they love him. So I, you know, maybe, maybe he, maybe he ends up somewhere else in the park. You know, I don't know, but, uh, but for, but for our reimagining purposes, I like the idea of making, again, what was your official title for it? How? Uh, Magnificent skies. Magnificent yeah. skies and, and with the planes and characters. So, uh, what do you think they'll do at the space? Do you think we'll hear something at D23? Like this year's? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I seems, think it's... Yeah, go ahead, Hal. It seems to be that Perpetual will get around to it. There's something more important to do first. <laughs> you know, the, the, the ride system works. I'm sure it gets moderate to decent reviews. And there's there's a notion of of the of the mid to late nineties Imagineering. I noticed this with, with figment. And I noticed this with uh, the Ellen's energy adventure. There's a, there's a moment at the end of Ellen's energy adventure where you hear the dinosaur scream and it wakes the audience back up, you know, right. You know, as they're ready to leave and, and the, the, the end of the current figment attraction, you know, you said it doc imagination is a blast. And then you see that classic figment mosaic with all the different characters. And, you 
it, it's almost a thing where like if, if they slap you so hard in the face at the end you don't really remember everything except the ending which you liked so uh, <laughs> i think that's how they're able to to get by as it were and, and, and you know what i'm actually I, I like the finding nemo films and i think the uh little attraction that's in the seas is i don't i don't hugely object to it i think it, i think it's a fun little ride uh family friendly something you can take all the kids on and you know they and the 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 part at the end where they project the characters into the tank i actually kind of like and i as someone who's only been to disneyland uh three times in my life three individual days uh i was less impressed by what they did with the subs there and turning that into nemo uh as as i i'm i'm i was I was less enthralled with that than I am necessarily with it. So again, balancing out that side of the park with sea, land, and air, I feel like it, it strengthens that area and keeps all of those attractions safe. So uh, it was a really fun show, you guys. How thank you so much again for coming on. How tell everybody where they can follow you and how they can uh, listen. I know Mark set it up at the beginning of the show, but go ahead and give us the uh, the, the full talk show plug. Sure. So you can follow me on, on the socials, uh, either Instagram or Twitter at at GoAwayGreen. You can check out the uh, Retro WDW podcast at RetroWDW.com. While you're there, um, be sure to check out the information about Retro Magic 50, which is our upcoming uh, day of Disney history with panels and presentations from Imagineers and chefs and all sorts of famous people um that's going to be april 24th of this year uh at the contemporary hotel over at walt disney world of course um you can check me out on uh youtube at a liquid at liquid luau uh we teach you how to make great disney drinks and other tiki cocktails and uh that's it if you're interested in my t-shirts and stuff you can always go to goawaygreen.shop uh s-h-o-p and check out my crazy stupid sometimes funny sometimes obtuse uh taste <laughs> disney t-shirts uh which is another uh thing that i do uh, for fun a little extra i wore i wore one of your shirts the the first time i was in uh disney's california adventure it was it was one that you did but it was an epcot design and no one said anything to me zip all day and then i got on a mickey's fun wheel and a cast member said, I used to work at Epcot. I love your shirt. And I said, yeah. Said, <laughs> I, I have a now is the time long sleeve. From the, oh, yeah. Um, oh, Carousel of Progress. I have the what about science, which is relevant to the show. I've seen you in that. Yeah. And I have I have the one of the, um, oh, what is it? The the Grizzly Peak record. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So. Love so definitely shirts. check that they're, they're incredible designs. I absolutely love them. Yeah. Uh, you can you can follow me on Twitter for uh, pictures of my meals at Disney World and maybe occasional occasional live streams at WDW Scope. Mark, you can follow me at Six Miles Tall on Twitter, and if you go to YouTube my channel, you can look at Six Miles Tall spelled out S I X Miles Tall. And for this show, you, there's two playlists that I want you to see. One is Journey into Imagination, where I've captured many old videos from the yesteryears, and I've put them into order so that you can examine this, this old attraction specifically and see what it once was if you don't get it, if you're young and you want to see what it was, it's there. Also, there's another great playlist that I've, created, I've, I've curated. It's called 1980s Epcot, and it's, it's as if you're entering the park and walking 
point to point to point all day with all of the old original attractions as if you're there back in 1982. So that's a fun one to see. You go check it out. All right. Now, I hope you folks join us for our next Disney Space episode where we're going back to the Magic Kingdom. And Mark helped me. You helped me craft this idea for for next week's assignment. Uh, Hal, I want to know what you think about this. Uh, We're going to go to Liberty Square and... The studio, the 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 the, uh, the the theme park executives have said, Americana history is out. Nobody cares. We need a whole new theme for the entire land. So all the existing attractions are wow. up for grabs. Uh, it, you know, the the we we want to get away from any controversies and viral media with the what goes on in the Hall of Presidents. And uh, yeah, so we're going, we're going to go to Liberty Square and come up with something completely different. And even my beloved, my favorite attraction, Haunted Mansion. If it doesn't fit the bill, it may be up. It may be up uh, to go. So that, that's some of the tough things on this show. How is we'll we'll put even our own personal sacred cows up to be to be redone. Uh, we did a we did a show about Fort Wilderness, and I didn't want it touched at all. So my assignment, I said, I did begrudgingly as if I was forced to do IP integration and we turned it into Camp Krusty from The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's how I felt with this one. I'm, I'm so glad Mark did a did a rebirth and a rebringing back of, of Dreamfinder and Figment uh, where they belong in the park. And so that that freed me up to go just crazy. So what a what a great job, guys! This is such so fun. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, so stimulating and interesting. And uh, you, you guys are definitely not sluts either when it comes to the idea <laughs> sides of things. This is some real good top notch top notch stuff. And if I was an actual Imagineer, I would probably be terrified. No. <laughs> well, we thanks again. Thank you so much for joining us. I feel like we got to bring in a ringer this week, and I got to take it easy. So that was a lot of fun for me. So uh, yeah, we'd love to have you back too sometime. Yeah, yeah, sometime, love to, yeah. love to. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys, and we'll see you on the next Disney Space. All aboard the Imagination Balloon. Some people fear imagination isn't real. But I tell them that they're wrong. Cause whenever I want to play and pretend, I just sing the imagination song. Imagination. 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 Imagination, 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 imagination. Imagination! Imagination! Are you gonna take us somewhere or not? Oh, 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 but my boy, we're already here.
this place. This is Imagination Land. It's where all the wonderful and goofy things that humans have made up over the years live together. <laughs>